Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. Welcome into the Bears Illustrated podcast, brought to you by BearsIllustrated.com. Your home for Baylor athletics and recruiting on 24-7 sports. Now, let's get into it. I'm your host, Pranay Malampati, and I'm here now with Graham Coffey, who covers Georgia football and who also does some statistics and has developed the development quotient, which kind of describes how college football teams develop the recruits they bring in and in terms of getting them ready for the NFL. So uh, first of all, thanks for coming on, Graham. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Pranay. For sure. And at first, I want to ask you just what got you into, into doing this and can you talk about kind of how you develop this development quotient? Yeah, so this all kind of started actually uh, last offseason post-NFL draft. Uh, there was this big sort of Twitter kind of debate or narrative, I guess, that started in certain circles around uh, Kirby Smart, Georgia's head coach. And uh, there was kind of this idea that, like, Kirby Smart is not developing talent the way that he should be with how Georgia was recruiting. And so uh, there was a radio host in uh, the upstate of South Carolina, which remember Georgia was opening their season with Clemson last year, Mm -hmm. who kind of like really harped on this subject for like a week. And so he and I were arguing on Twitter and one day he was like, well, call into the show. And so I did. And uh, I kind of went down the list of like, well, they've recruited this many five stars this is how many they've had drafted versus, you know, this percentage is higher than national averages and sort of dispelled, I guess, this notion a little bit. And uh, the audio of that call kind of went, went around and got circulated. And uh, I was on like the, the cover three podcast with, uh, with your guys at 24 seven, Bud Elliott and those guys talking about uh, Georgia specifically a little bit. And so I kind of had that idea in the back of my mind, like, when we come around to this next NFL draft, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of these same kind of bad faith arguments on social media around who is and isn't developing talent. And, you know, last year uh, was the year, like the, the 2021 draft was the year that Alabama had, I think seven first rounders or there's something crazy like that. And, you know, everybody's comparing Georgia to that. And it's like, well, Georgia doesn't have a development problem. Kirby Smart has a Nick Saban comparison problem, <laughs> which everyone in college football does, right? And so I, I really wanted to look into all of this just a little bit further and see, okay, Alabama had seven first rounders. Is that great? Is that good? You know, because they're, they're recruiting number one classes almost every year, right? And so how do you compare what a program like Georgia is doing that's that's had I think five six top three 
uh, recruiting classes in a row now to a Baylor, right, who uh, is a little more looking for those diamonds in the roughs and, and, you know, if they can bring in a handful of good four-star prospects in a class, then they've done really well for themselves in that recruiting cycle. So, yeah, that was sort of the premise. And I basically sort of took what I did with, with Georgia in 2020, which was let's look at what the national average for each star ranking being drafted over a period of time is, and then extrapolate that out. And so, so basically the quotient is just, it's a, it's a simple metric that measures which programs develop raw talent the best. Right. Um, and so, you know, on a, on a four year average, if you look back at the 2019 to 2022 NFL drafts and you look at all of the five-star, four-star and three-star recruits over that time, 59.4% of the five stars were drafted to the NFL. 21.1% of the four stars were drafted and 6.3% of the three stars were drafted. And so uh, kind of based on that premise, I started looking at how each power five program or major program was was having guys drafted compared to those percentages. And I think the the thing I had to do to make it fair, right, is like if uh, like Houston, for example, had Ed Oliver a couple of years ago get drafted. So that they have a five-star prospect on their record. They have had 100% of their five-star prospects drafted, but that yeah. was one prospect on their roster over uh, a four-year period of time. And so I, I weighted basically uh, each percentage score based on roster composition so um that way it kind of evens out and you can you can see like cincinnati comes in at number three uh because we're you know we're weighting them properly instead of just saying five stars four stars and three stars are all worth you know a third of your score when they're not all a third of everybody's roster yeah obviously if i've like like you said, five stars are much more likely to get drafted than, than a three-star. And Cincinnati having nine guys get drafted, it's really impressive. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and that that was kind of, I think, one that probably surprised a lot of people. There, there's a lot of interesting stuff that kind of comes out in the list. Um, and in a lot of cases with some schools, it's like there's one group that they're – not developing really well, or there is a group that they're developing way above average. And that, you know, has a big effect on their score, uh, depending on the roster composition, but the data is a lot of fun. It's definitely something I I plan on doing, you know, moving forward year by year to see how it kind of changes. Interesting. Um, And you see a lot of the the big name schools that bring in like these five-star recruits, like Georgia at one, Ohio State at two, Alabama is up there. how much do you attribute that to just the players they bring in being the top of the top five stars? So they don't have to develop them maybe as much versus these schools are just really, really good at development, which, which they are. I think it's a little bit of both for sure. Um, I mean, I, I think where those schools maybe have their biggest advantage because, you know, there's only 35 star prospects a cycle. Um, but I would say where they probably have the biggest advantages is, is, is in the three-star realm, right? Um, you got, yeah, I mean, because there's about 2,500, I think, three-stars you're mm-hmm. talking about total uh, yeah. in the class, right? Like, there's a huge amount. And so the, the top three-star, there's a large delta between maybe how, how good of a player that guy is versus 
uh, you know, kind of a, a lower rank three-star or some, you know, three-star kid out of Idaho at a 1A school who's a 5'9 slot receiver. Um, but what I, what I think really comes out in the data, because, like, I also did this uh, and sort of broke down the percentages by star and looked like – I put a graph out on Twitter last week. Like, Georgia has had 32.3% of their three-star guys drafted from the 2015 to 2018 recruiting classes. Now they only, they only brought in 34 over that time, but still like 12 of those guys have gotten drafted, which is pretty impressive when you consider a national average of 6.3%. Yeah, right. Absolutely. So, but like, you know, looking back at who those guys are, uh, one of them is, is Eric Stokes, who was a, you know, a high, I think he was one of the first couple picks of the, the second round of the draft, the 2021 draft. Um, and, you know, had a really great rookie season for the Green Bay Packers last year. He's a defensive back, but like he was a high school running back. And, you know, Mel Tucker, who is now the the head coach at Michigan State, the, the hundred million dollar man. Right. Um, yeah. He like he went to a, a game at that high school and saw this kid and he also watched him run track. He had like a crazy time in the hundred meters and was like, this kid's long, you know, he's he's six, two, he's got big, long arms. I think I could turn him into a really high level defensive back. And that ended up happening, but that, you know, I think credit is deserved there in those kind of instances where a lot of these cases with some of these three-star guys, there's just like someone like when you have all these analysts at an Alabama or a Georgia or an Ohio state, you've got all these people in a room watching tape, all these like player personnel department kind of guys, there's just more people kind of scouring through looking for those diamonds in the rough. And so I, I do think, yes, to a certain extent, they are just getting guys that are, that are good players and, you know, closer to being NFL ready out of high school than uh, the average, you know, school is, but, to a certain extent, they're also doing a phenomenal job of evaluation and sort of having a vision, a four-year vision or a five-year vision for a kid of saying, this is what he is now. Like we can take that raw six foot, six inch frame, put weight on it in our nutrition program, um, you know, teach him skills with his hands, teach him pass rush skills and turn this guy into an NFL defensive end that, you know, maybe he's a tight end right now in high school. So I, I think credit kind of is deserved, but also to your original sort of question or point, like, yes, they also are kind of getting the, the pick of the crop in a certain way. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 
When you have sports mixed with your pop culture, along with humor and celebrity interviews, your earbuds are enjoying the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Orlovsky, are you still a Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback available in the draft guy? I think the three things that make it stand out for me are, number one, I think his ball placement versus man coverage is the best in the draft. Every quarterback in the NFL is accurate. He's got the best on tape. Number two, most transferable stuff to the NFL. And then I think the third thing is pocket peace. Search for the Rich Eisen Show on YouTube or wherever you listen. Very interesting. Um, and that's kind of a good transition to what I want to go next. You talked about Georgia converting Stokes into a different position. Baylor did that something kind of similar this past season with Abram Smith, who went from linebacker to running back, and he wasn't drafted, but he did sign as an undrafted free agent with the Saints and got, got some guaranteed money. So with that, I want to transition to Baylor, who was number 11 in this development quotient this year. And what you see in Dave Aranda's coaching staff and, and where, like the numbers, I guess, behind them being at number 11 and where they can go in the future. Yeah. So, I mean, Baylor uh, did not have a, a, a five-star recruit in the 2015 to 2018 uh, recruiting classes. So that's, that's kind of a wash, right? But uh, mm-hmm. they did have 10 four-star recruits. Three of those guys have been drafted to this point. Um, so that, you know, that put them at 30%. But, uh, you know, that's so that's that's a good bit higher than the 21.1 percent national average for four star recruits. Uh, but really where they cleaned up, like if you look at what they did in the three star realm, uh, 67 three star recruits, nine of those guys get drafted. That's 13.4 percent uh, when you're talking about the national average being six point nine. Right. So that's a pretty good uh kind of deviation above average um, yeah when when you're looking at that work but like what what I was really fascinated with with Baylor um, like Georgia just hired Fran Brown as their defensive backs coach right who uh, mm-hmm. was was on Baylor's staff with Matt Rule and uh, kind of you know before even going through this project I sort of went back through some of just like his personal recruiting slash development history and it's like they're finding guys that are, you know, really kind of low rated fringe two or three star prospects. And uh, they're, they're sort of doing that thing that the, that the big schools do that we were just talking about where they're, they're saying, this is what we can do with this kid when we get him into our nutrition program. And we, you know, really sort of build him out. And I, and I, I think like for Baylor, you know, they're, they're in Texas and there's so much football talent in the state of Texas. Um, I think there's a misnomer sometimes with states like Texas or Florida or, or even Georgia to a lesser extent. There's an idea sometimes for some programs that like those schools are almost oversaturated recruiting wise. And so uh, I don't know. I, I think like things get taken at face value a little bit because everyone assumes that there's so many eyes on that state that, that the evaluations are, are good. But I mean, I, I don't know how many high schools there are in the state of Texas, but God, God knows a ton. Right. <laughs> a lot, yeah. And so, yeah. And so Baylor, I think what they've done both under Matt rule. And I think even to a greater extent under Dave Aranda is put boots on the ground, get out, uh, go to these high school games, watch the tape, put eyes on these kids. Uh, there's in the recruiting world, like it's a very different, I think like the fans have the perspective of the, the ranking services that, you know, like 24 um, seven mm-hmm. does a phenomenal job. 
but like if you're a uh, a college coaching staff and you're solely dependent on those rankings you're probably going to get yourself in trouble right like where you're going to find the most value is kind of you know going to that small 2a school in some town in texas that is maybe population you know eight to ten thousand and going to their game on a Friday night, having some staff member there and putting your eyes on that kid or getting a kid on campus in person. Um, the, the recruiting services are usually most accurate with the guys that, that come to their camps because they're able to measure them, they're able to watch them run, they're able to evaluate them in person. And so I think what Baylor has done a really good job of is getting kids on campus and letting their staff put eyes on them you know, kind of some of that stuff we were talking about earlier, like, okay, now that I'm in person with this kid, like this frame could carry another 30 pounds and maybe not lose too much athleticism. Um, maybe I have a, a guy here that could switch from linebacker or running back, like those types of instances. And so that's, you know, kind of what I saw. Um, there are guys, uh, I forget the wide receiver for Baylor that, you know, ran the smoke and fast 40 at the Taekwondo Thornton. Thornton. Yeah. Um, like you can't teach that, right? Like you don't really develop speed. Like he, he showed up on campus and had that. Um, but I also think that Baylor, like you're sort of seeing them trend upwards from a recruiting standpoint when it comes to, uh, I think a rant, like Matt rule was really, really good at, at finding the two-star kid that nobody else like looked at and, uh, kind of, turning him into something over four years. I think Dave Aranda is doing a better job of just bringing in more raw talent. And I think that he's a coach that a lot of kids are going to want to play for. Right. And mm -hmm. uh, he, I think is sort of offering something different than what a lot of his competition on the recruiting trail is offering just in terms of how his staff is made up sort of the personality that he has, that that program has taken on as well. It's not a, grab your face mask and scream, you know, scream up in your face type of culture. It's much more of a, like, you know, let's do this together. Let's have a relationship, you know, let's, let's build you. We're partners in this instead of a situation where it's like, I'm the coach. I am, you know, the control freak and not to say Dave Aranda isn't a control freak because all college football coaches are, but like, I think <laughs> that he comes off a little bit, like from what I have been, the impression that I've gotten talking to recruits that have visited Baylor uh, over the last couple of years, like it seems like he just comes off as a really genuine dude and people, you know, are, are attracted to him and are attracted to kind of his, his style and just sort of that more like speaks awfully carry a big stick kind of mentality. than I need to scream at everybody, which is unfortunately uh, the case at a lot of programs. And so, I think there's just a certain type of personality or a kid that you can sort of look at and say, like, that's a Baylor guy. And whenever you're doing something to differentiate yourself a little bit, I think that like that, that usually pays dividends in college recruiting because you're offering a value that other schools you're competing with aren't. I love what you said there. Dave Aranda does just bring something different. Um, and he, he's finding, like you said, he's bringing in a little bit more raw talent than Matt Rule was, but he's still bringing in people that fit the culture, which is 
I think gonna gonna help Baylor rise even more in that development uh, that development quotient. But on the other hand, our brethren down in Austin at the University of Texas, they're they're already they're already bringing in those five stars that that high raw talent, but they're not having that same draft success that they should be having based on the percentages of five stars and four stars that should be being drafted. So what do their numbers look like? And what do you think is the reasoning behind that? Yes. Uh, let me, let me find Texas on my data <laughs> sheet real quick. Yes. Okay. So um, yeah, I mean, they, they only like, they only brought in three five-star recruits over the the time period that we're looking at. Uh, and they did get two of those guys to the draft. So okay, that, that is not an area where they're struggling, but um, 53 four-star recruits, only 10 of those guys drafted puts them at 18.9%, which is 2.2% uh, under the national average. And then uh, in the three-star realm, uh, 42 guys brought on campus, only four drafted. So that is a little bit over national average. It's about 2.9% over national average. But uh, yeah, when you weigh out the entire thing, um, they're just a, they're just at 0.3% kind of above average, um, which, which puts them uh, just below Houston, who's at 0.4%, puts, puts Texas at, at 43rd in these rankings. I think that, I mean, it's very indicative of like the product on the field, right? Um, yeah. I I don't know if that changes as Sarkeesian has more time there. Um, I mean, I think though, like at Baylor, uh, just to kind of compare the two schools over the last few years, like both under Rule and now Aranda, you may have a kid that comes on campus that is maybe just a a little bit less physically talented in certain cases than. Uh, a kid that's at Texas, but that kid is learning technique, right? Like that kid is learning hand placement. He's, if he's a defensive back, like he's, he's playing the right leverage techniques in the right situations. And uh, you know, he's, he's disciplined with his eyes. He's not getting caught staring at the quarterback in the backfield. Like he's doing all of the little things. And at Texas, just, looking at their film from time to time, like it seems like you have a lot of guys that are kind of just like relying on raw athleticism in some weeks that works. But when you, you know, when you play other teams that are just as athletic and they have better technique, then you end up losing. And I think at the end of the day in the NFL, like everybody's a good athlete. Right. And so it's the mental things, it's the preparation. It is the, you know, it's the little kind of, things like hand placement and uh, down and distance and just, just being a smart football player that the teams are looking for, because at a certain point, there's just a baseline level of athleticism that everyone meets. And uh, you know, there's the whole like Jimmy's and Joe's beat X's and O's. And to a certain extent, that's true. But I mean, if you look at Baylor and Texas over the last five years, you're seeing X's and O's beat Jimmy and Joe's right. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think with Texas, it's just going to be really interesting to see um, what do they do with all of this talent that's just landed on campus. Right. Because like they still have, uh, you know, they, they've brought in all these, these wide receivers and Quinn Ewers is there and there's a lot of skill position talent. Um, I mean, USC is last on this list 
they're negative 6.2%. Wow. Um, yeah. And so obviously that's all like Florida state is Florida state and USC are the last two schools there. And, uh, like it, it makes sense kind of with what's going on on the field, but, um, I think it's very interesting because what I see a lot of times this time of year is the media as a whole often gets really excited about kind of hyping up teams that have a lot of returning skill position talent. And there is some correlation there, particularly with returning wide receiver production to future success. But the big question marks at schools like Texas and USC that have kind of done these big like portal turnovers this off season is, do you have line of scrimmage play? Right. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think like USC is really going to struggle on the offensive line, Texas. I don't know that I really buy into to where they are up front, especially on the defensive line at this point, but like they got to play Alabama early in the season. I don't think they have anybody that can block Will Anderson. And if you can't block Will Anderson, then, all of that skill talent is negated because they don't have time to get open and the quarterback doesn't have time to throw the ball. And, you know, when people are getting excited about things, I understand that it's not quite as sexy to talk about like the returning left tackle, but a lot of times that's more indicative of future success. That's what matters. And even how successful your skill talent is going to be because, you know, uh, like the Joe Burrow season at LSU, if you give receivers six, seven seconds to get open, they're going to get open. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know that uh, Caleb Williams or Quinn Ewers or whoever Texas ends up starting next year is going to have that type of uh, time to, to get open. And I think just kind of circling back to Baylor one more time, like that's been the consistent thing at Baylor, right. Uh, Is, is line of scrimmage play. Like if Baylor's playing a football game, they're at least getting a stalemate on the line of scrimmage. Even when they played Georgia in the sugar bowl a couple of years ago, like they played Georgia as well up front as, as almost, you know, anybody had in that 2019 season. Um, so I, I, I kind of look at all of that and it's like, that's, that's back to the little things and the details and the, you know, kind of being that football team that's built on what works instead of maybe what's like super, I don't know catchy or a headline grabbing and uh, Baylor's just that lunch pail team that gets it done. Right. Absolutely. Um, and George is another one of those lunch pail teams that also has that skill position on the outside. It's what, the, <laughs> it's what got them that national championship. Do yeah, think- for sure. Yeah. That, you know, having uh, five guys drafted off your defense in the first round helps. Right. Um, you know, but <laughs> As an Eagles fan, I'm happy. Nicope Dean and, and Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, yeah, absolutely. No, my, my wife's from Philadelphia originally. Um, so you know, That's cool. not, like I'm not I don't really have a an NFL team that I am personally attached to. So watching Davis and Dean go to the Eagles, I was like, Oh well, you know, pay a little more attention to them next year. For sure. Do you think Georgia's gonna be able to block Will Anderson this season? What are your expectations? I mean, they did in Indianapolis, right? Like, I think, you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine. uh, We were doing a podcast kind of recapping some spring game stuff. And, uh, like, Alabama took Will Anderson out of their spring game in the third quarter because he had, like, nine sacks already. And, you know, they weren't, like, able to get anything done. And Nick Saban said, I think in the post game, he was like, we don't have anybody that can block him. And it's just like, not productive running a practice that way. Uh, 
and my buddy that's an Alabama fan was like, you know, like where I didn't see that issue was in Indianapolis in the national title game. Like Georgia had guys that were able to block him. And so it's tough because they do lose, uh, you know, Jamari Sawyer was the left tackle on that team, but in that game he moved to right guard uh, because of uh, they had an injury and they were just kind of struggling at right guard and, a redshirt freshman came in at left tackle and really sort of shut down Will Anderson in that second half. And that was when Georgia started running the ball well. And that kind of led to everything else that went right for them in that fourth quarter. But I think maybe the, the area of Georgia's team that, that like I'm most sure about and that people who have watched practice uh, this spring are most sure about is their, their offensive line. So I think that area will be fine. Um, I have some questions about how they, you know, how they replace guys up front on defense and, and so on and so forth. Just the, the depth on defense has to take a step back. Right. But uh, it's going to be fascinating um, as someone that's watched Georgia my entire life and went to school there and grew up listening to people talk about them, you know, winning the title in 1980 and all of that. Like, I, I think Georgia fans should just embrace the idea of like a gap year, basically like, it was 41 years. You finally got a national title. If you get back to that situation in 2022, great. Love it. Enjoy it. But if you go 10 and two, don't, you know, don't, don't like, let me see anything on Twitter about like firing Kirby smart <laughs> like that, you know? Cause I mean, I'm sure there will be that guy. There's always that guy, but like, always, always. yeah. Like you waited 41 years. So just let the, let the enjoyment of the, the 2021, national title carry over into 2022 and maybe not be super stressed if uh things don't go exactly perfect next season all right well that's all that's all i've got for you thanks for coming on Grant. absolutely enjoyed Brene. um any yeah love to chat with you anytime awesome and thank you guys for listening and for tuning into the bears illustrated podcast hero arrives i am ready is there anyone stronger no tougher no funnier i do not make jokes i make warriors knuckles now streaming only on paramount plus yes